Capitalism as the rules of monopoly. Capitalism isn't human nature. It's more along the lines of the board game Monopoly, like a bunch of rules that we decide to follow in real life and be very serious about them. Then we don't understand that the rules are made up and just kind of assume that's just how the world works. As if the rules of Monopoly are the only way it ever was and the only way it can be and the only way it ever will be. Then of course the people who are winning at the game of Monopoly are like, yeah, that's right. This is just how the world works. And the other players are like, ah, uh, okay. Clearly. Well, I hope I can be the winner one day. Some people inevitably recognize the rules as both unfair and made up. There are only a few people winning, and the losers are always treading water. So the people who recognize there's something wrong, they kindly appeal to the winners and try to convince them to tweak a rule so that it will help the rest of the players. To which the winners, who have more control over the rules, reply, No, that's okay. We'll keep it how it is. Or a few of the losing players try to get the winners to hand over a small portion of their income to help other people in the form of taxes. This worked at one point because there was enough pressure on the people with the money. But now it rarely works. In fact, it usually goes the other way. The rules always seem to get changed to allow more and more money to go to the winners. The winners have all the properties now, and the losers just constantly land on properties with houses and hotels that are already claimed. Basically all of them are. And the losers are told, if you don't like it, you can just make up your own game somewhere else off the board. And the losers just keep following the rules and paying up more and more to the winners for the privilege of still being able to remain on the board and play the game. The winners say you should be happy and feel lucky that I let you stay at my houses and hotels and beautiful properties. The winners remind the losers all the time that they won on their own accord, basically because they are smarter and harder workers and better people, and the Monopoly gods too have blessed them with all the property and encouraged them to prosper. The winners want to take away the collect $200 when you pass go rule because they consider it a handout to the losers. Although they will always take more from the bank and the Monopoly gods when offered for themselves, they want to keep that rule, collecting money for free, for themselves, but when it happens to themselves, they don't call it that. They say they worked for it. In fact, they want to keep all the rules in place that keep getting them more and more money. They even make it so they can never go to jail, or if they do, it's pretty easy to just pay up and get out of jail. And when they pass go, they get $2,000 instead of 200 But they still want to get rid of the losers getting 200 when they pass go, because that's government assistance, which is lazy and unfair. They never attribute their success to their previous luck of getting good chance cards and getting money from the community chest, or getting lucky with the roll of the dice, or being in the right place at the right time, or making passive income off their properties. And then, the money of everyone else being funneled to them in various ways, which couldn't have happened if it weren't for the other players. No. They're where they are because of divine providence of the Monopoly gods, as well as hard work, of course, and other smart plays. And remember, the properties are all owned at this point, and the winners make most of their money just by having houses and hotels perched up on the board. And they just sit and roll the dice occasionally and go to meetings and tell other players what to do, and all they have to do is sit there and the money keeps rolling in. But remember, the losers, which is most players at this point, and more and more people are losing, are always struggling and barely have any money left. All the time they're scraping bottom to pay up and the winners keep removing chances for the losers to win, under the rationalization that the losers shouldn't get any handouts or undue help that they don't deserve. Since the winners are not thinking too far ahead, this starts to create a problem for the winners too. They're playing a game with a bunch of losers who can barely pay their dues anymore, and the losers are running out of money and rolls of the dice to give and the winners start to complain. There's something wrong with the game. But the winners don't want to give up their property. Of course not. Why would they do that? 
and they won't change the rules to make them easier or more possible for the losers to make any gains. That would be interfering with the natural rules of the game. That would be government intervention, or the monopoly gods intervening in the wrong way. And they hate when the rules are changed by outside parties like the government, or the dealer, or the bank, or the monopoly gods, at least when it's not themselves in control of the rule changes, or the rule changes benefiting themselves, the money and the properties being funneled to themselves because of those rule changes. Sometimes the winners, usually the smaller winners, not the big-time winners, will be overheard saying that we need to make the board game more competitive. But they'll refuse any rule changes that would do so, like reassigning properties or resetting the money, giving more assistance to the losing players in any way, including just even giving them a bit more money to the new players, which interferes with the natural order of the game. So there becomes a permanent underclass of players who are trying to pay up just to keep their piece on the board just to hang out at other people's properties and pay their dues. And increasingly, more of the losing players start to get a sense that the rules are all made up, and they are messed up, and they seem to just help the people who are the current winners of the game and rarely ever hurt those players. Remember basic economics. The monopoly money is always right, and so are the property cards. And when the dice is rolled, that is not just luck, but what the monopoly gods would have wanted for the winning players and their families. The Monopoly gods apparently do not care much for the majority of the losing players who are treading water. Well, I guess the gods gave those losers the opportunity to continue playing and work hard, and they'll make it one day. I cannot overstate how especially important it is that the losing players do not do any moves deemed illegal. That makes them a criminal, and we know what happens to criminals. They go straight to jail. That's if they're lucky. Winners have so many more resources at their disposal, they can simply get rid of the losing players by using the Monopoly rule enforcers. These exist to maintain the rules, and also to protect the people who are currently winning by those rules. The game enforcers, the Monopoly police, and the Monopoly military, and the Monopoly courts can always be used by the winners to either lock up or just shoot the complaining ungrateful losers. And you know if that line of defense ever failed? If it really came down to it, the winners can just wipe the losers off the table themselves. They have lots of guns that they bought with their hard-earned Monopoly money. By the way, as all this goes on, the winners are still having problems maintaining the game as is. Even if not under direct threat of the losers and all their complaining, the game itself is sputtering because remember, the losers on whom the winners depend for their wealth and income and other things. The losing players are continuously being weakened on the board and losing money and running out of willpower to roll the dice. They have increasingly fewer ways to pay their rent when they land on a spot that is owned by the winners. And this despite that they keep working harder and harder and harder, which the winners don't seem to ever want to admit. Thus, more and more scapegoats are needed. The problem is not just the government anymore, it's also the people in a different country playing their own version of Monopoly, because that is interfering with our game, our version of Monopoly, and it's making it worse for the winners over here on our board. And the problem is always the losers of the game, always will be, of course, for complaining so much and just not wanting to pay their rent to the winners anymore, or roll the dice anymore, are just for $200 each and every time they go around the board, with the possibility ever present of that $200 being removed. And of course, if the Monopoly gods really wanted the losers to be winners, they, or should I say he, the Monopoly god is one god and it's a dude, if he wanted the losers to prosper, well then he would grant more money to the losers, or even just more opportunities for the losers to work hard, so they wouldn't be losing anymore. And he still just may. So keep putting in the work, and one day you will be rewarded by the game. And definitely, don't do anything against the rules, much less flip the board.
Day broadcast number two. I hope you enjoyed that long kind of metaphor thing that hopefully made sense and helped understand like what's going on. I don't know, that's the idea, I guess. But uh, yep, this is the part where I say, like, if you like the podcast, like, if you could share it and pass it along, or you know, make sure you subscribe and all that. And now I have segment two coming up right after this intermission piece. And as always, the title of the piece of music and the artist are linked in the description. workers got paid what they're worth. What if workers got paid what they're worth? I put worth in quotations because we're obviously talking about people, paying people money here, but people arguably don't have a monetary value. But okay, let's talk about if the money was always right, like some people claim and others assume, and so the mythology goes. If the money was always right, what kind of money would certain working people make? If the money was always right and your earnings correlated with your value produced, we can look at this in a few ways. The first is a way called surplus value. Businesses only survive because the people up the company hierarchy pay the lower level workers less than the money they actually bring in, in the form of a salary or a wage. A simple example, to simplify, let's take a fast food worker who makes, let's say, $10 an hour. While on their shift for an hour, on average, they will bring in a lot more than $10. Without that worker doing the $10 per hour shift, the company would not have brought in any of the money it did. So let's say that company brought in $100 during that hour but only paid the one worker $10 flat. On a larger scale, this is how companies profit. If the worker brought in less than they were being paid, they would simply be fired or never hired in the first place. So the workers are always going to make less than what they bring in. That extra is called surplus or profit, and it goes to people up the company hierarchy. Why? Because they own the property, and from thus is derived the authority and the power to determine where the surplus goes. That is the first way in which workers are not paid what they are worth, but if you don't want to buy into that observation because Karl Marx thought of it first, fine. We can look at another way in which workers are not paid what they are worth, 
and this way lies simply in the more subjective rather than objective or numerical value to society. For example, emergency responders are needed in their function to society, and part of their function is even to save people's lives. That's deemed important, right, to society. So you'd think emergency responders would be paid quite a lot, right? And when you compare them to low-wage workers, they may be, but what about when you compare them to the people who make the most money? Compared to those people, emergency responders, just as an example, make very little. So according to the money is always right theory regarding subjective value, those emergency responders still wouldn't be worth a whole lot to society, right? And then the people who make the most money, on the other hand, they often do nothing deemed of value in society, or they even do things that are harmful rather than valuable. The cultural mythology that does a lot of work to prop up the economy as it is goes something like this. The people with the most money work to the hardest and provide the most value to society. That is why they have the most money. On its face, many people will hear this and laugh or disagree because it seems so clearly untrue. But a lot of people actually believe this mythology in one way or another. Even people who don't really believe it might have a nagging subconscious anxiety about it that maybe the people with the most money really do deserve it and really did work hard and provide so much value to society. But I have a theory. The idea that the people with the most money worked the hardest and contribute the most to society, that is not only untrue. It's actually closer to the opposite of the truth. And my theory is that the jobs that make the most money are actually the easiest jobs. When some people refer to entitled people, that's like a right-wing talking point. They're talking about low-wage workers or people who are unemployed and say that they are acting entitled to receiving other people's money that those other people made through hard work and then was funneled to the so-called entitled people. But if we really look at the people in society who think they're entitled to other people's money, a different group of people come to mind. To me, when I hear that, I think of the people who make massive amounts of passive income off other people's daily hard work. So who are the entitled people? Well, what about CEOs of major corporations? They make tens of millions or even billions of dollars, and why do they think all that money should go to them? Even if we ignore the theory of surplus value, like that all the workers of Amazon Corporation created all that wealth because without those workers, the money wouldn't be there, and Jeff Bezos and a few others funneled it to themselves through illegal apparatus. You know, it's not like when I buy something online from Amazon, I am directly trading my money for something that Jeff Bezos personally created and personally owns and is now trading to me. No, he owns or is entitled to whatever profit due to a legal apparatus and government that enforces it. It is an economic structure, not a natural universal decree that determines who owns what and where the money goes. When I think of someone who acts so-called entitled and thinks that they're entitled to other people's money, Jeff Bezos is one of the first people who comes to mind. He expects billions of dollars just for going to meetings and telling people what to do and standing on stage and saying, I'm Jeff Bezos. Yeah, he works in a sense, but his job's really damn easy. And at its most difficult point, do you really think Jeff Bezos' job was ever harder than some of the people who make 50000 a year? Or the people who make $3 a day in some sweatshop that makes the Amazon tote bags? I don't think so. It's not about hard work. Hedge fund managers are another good example of how the economic system is upside down from something that would actually reward, let's say, people proportionally for the hard work or subjective value produced to society. They move billions of dollars around digitally and become multimillionaires or billionaires that way. Easy shit. And if anything, they destroy society rather than help it. 
No one cares about those guys or wants them to be there or wants their job to exist. Yet it does. And it makes them billions of dollars for doing just about jack shit in between golf and boating sessions. Landlords are another one in a prime example of passive income. They sit on a piece of paper that says they own the place, or if they don't own the place, they pay the mortgage to a bank and have another person, called the tenant, who probably works hard every day, funnel their money to the landlord to pay off that mortgage. All because the landlord has a title of ownership, protected by a legal apparatus and ultimately the force of government. Landlords may be less wealthy than the typical CEO or hedge fund manager, sure, but they are similarly entitled to other people's money that those other people earned through their daily hard work. Landlords don't create housing and they barely maintain it either, notoriously. They are unnecessary and only exist to profit off other people's hard work to profit on housing as a commodity. Doesn't get much more entitled than that. Shit, during a global pandemic, they wanted to keep being paid every month, even though people were forced to stop working due to threat of death. That's super entitled to other people's money. The position of landlord provides no good value to society and is definitely more harmful than valuable, and landlords don't work hard. Yet they are richer than their tenants, who do probably work hard, at least a lot of the time. Let's be more clear on how the winners win. The most common way is through inheritance. Either the wealthy inherited all their wealth, or they at least inherited some wealth in order to start their business, which would ultimately become that major corporation, and they got more rich through that. But the inheritance part was essential, and inheriting money is not hard work. Tied in with that is the ownership of property. Landlords are the most clear example, but capitalism is actually built on this. By having a title that says you own someplace, you are then legally, not you know naturally, but legally, entitled to whatever profit is determined in the legal structure of that property. So sitting on a title of ownership is not just how landlords make their money, it is how landlords make their money, but capitalists in general make their money due to having a title of ownership that is protected by a legal system and the force of government. The workers and the tenants don't have that power because they don't have the title of ownership to that property, and consequently the government protecting that title of ownership. Again, we discussed this. Manipulating money is another way how the winners win. Playing financial games, the so-called financial markets and financial instruments. This is how a lot of rich people make their money. They sit on their ass on a computer and predict that line will go up or down or whatever. Then they move some money into some account or out of some account. Probably money that was inherited or gained through simply owning property, which is not hard work. And it would seem that manipulating money in this way has more of a destructive effect on the economy, on society, not a constructive effect. Though, of course, the money manipulators will always assure us that it is constructive and necessary. You know, it's in the best interest of the winners to assure everyone that they won, you know, fairly, fair and square. And that whatever the situation is that has them winning is justified. And again, we have to refer back to the hard work of the workers. Capitalists make money through paying their workers a flat salary or wage, and then taking outsized profits, the surplus. If the workers are not making the capitalists more money than they're getting paid, they get fired or simply never hired. And finally, just as important as any of these in determining who wins, you can call it luck or happenstance or circumstance or gods or whatever you want. Being in the right place at the right time, having the right parents or family or location, Without these, the winners wouldn't win. The rich would not be rich. And some people who are the winners, who do have a lot of money, do have the guts to admit this. They say, it's not just their own doing. They couldn't have done it on their own. But then they might go and attribute it to God or divine providence rather than luck. Well, you can call it whatever you want. 
But then a serious person would have to contend with the idea that if God really wanted it that way, why doesn't God reward all the other people who work hard and pray as well? I don't know how that works, but it seems to be something the wealthy can't explain either, nor do they really try very hard to do so. God or not, it seems like more of a rationalization for the present system and their situation and their position. There is one thing, though, that the wealthy do work pretty hard at, I admit. They work pretty hard at convincing everyone that they're working hard, and that what they do is so valuable to society that it deserves them having all the credits they do have. They're pretty good at that. I call it propaganda. They work fairly hard at it, and they're fairly good at it. For without good and pervasive propaganda, such an unfair and unequal game that is always as well falling apart would not be possible to maintain. The flip side of my theory is that the hardest jobs make the least money. Like if a job is really difficult, chances are the pay is low. Or maybe it's barely enough. Possibly enough, plus a little more. But it's never as much as the people who do the easy stuff. Again, wow, this is the opposite of what we've been told, and the reverse of what might make sense. Is it true though? Well, sweatshop workers make our clothes. In fact, something like 95% of our clothes are made by sweatshop workers who make dollars or even pennies on the hour. They work way harder than a billionaire CEO, and they make our clothes, which we all seem to need. People who grow and harvest food, I'm not just talking about farmers who, if it's not a big corporate farm, are probably not going to be very wealthy. But they make and export our food, which is important, of course. I'm also talking, though, about the people who pick a tomato from a field in a hot sun all day, all year round. They don't make very much money, do they? But they work very hard, and they provide a lot of value to society that they are necessary. You know, and I'm starting to think of the so-called essential workers during the COVID pandemic, who worked hard and even risked their lives, who were necessary, even deemed so by the wealthiest people in society and governments around the world. Do essential workers make a lot of money? And of course, we have to talk about service workers in general, many of whom work several jobs and are freelance, everything from a barista to a bartender to waitress to Uber driver. And of course, don't forget the pizza guy. The service economy is bigger than it's ever been, and is still trending in that direction. People in these positions don't make very much, though they work very hard. And they provide the services we really want, and sometimes even the ones we need, aka the essential worker. But service workers are not what we think of when we think about rich people, right? About winners. Most service workers are struggling to pay their bills. Some have a bit more, but not much more. We could even look at the so-called professions and professional class, the ones that are deemed important or even necessary like firefighters, pilots, bus drivers, teachers, construction workers, so on, that are more likely to make a salary than a wage. These are people we depend on for our safety and very lives every day, or like in the case of teachers, the lives, safety, well-being, learning of the kids. So these seem like pretty important things to society, right? And these people all work hard very often, even very hard sometimes. And yet many are struggling to pay their bills. And others who do end up having more than that, you know, just getting by paycheck to paycheck, probably not have a whole lot more than that in the bank. And maybe they'll have to use that one day for a medical bill. Again, compare something like a couple hundred thousand dollars in the bank to a couple hundred million. And the people who, if they're lucky, make a couple hundred thousand extra, they probably worked harder and provided more value to society than the people who make a couple hundred million. I think I've made my point in this segment. Wealth and income have very little to do with how hard someone works or the subjective value 
they produce to society, or how important their role is, or their job is. In fact, there seems to be an inverse relationship between how hard you work, as well as how much good you do in the world, and on the other hand, how much money you have or make. I know it makes really terrible sense, but here's my explanation for why it's this way. The economy is like the rules of monopoly. The ones who prosper are not necessarily the best people, or the ones who work the hardest, or the ones who do most good on the board. The ones who win are the ones who dedicated to exploiting the rules of the game, and then got lucky. <laughs>